from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're inside of the Charney's Men's Clothing Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Dress up and dress down at Charney's if you're looking for literally anything when it comes to finding socks, suspenders, handkerchiefs, ties, shirts, you know, Tommy Bahama stuff, you want some NBA gear, Syracuse, the Yankees, whatever it may be, some polo shirts, you're going out golfing, you need a suit, you need a tux. Literally every man can get fitted, set up, and ready to go at Charney's. That's why we're happy to work with them. 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We're in the first hour of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Since returning from doing our live broadcast on location in Orlando, Florida, for the last four shows. We are now back in Syracuse, New York, from Central Florida to Central New York, and we are here with Katie Kalinske, and she is, as I said before, the break here, spent seven years under Jim Beheim at Syracuse with the Orange, some of the most successful years and successful players that they've had in recent history, pretty much the, the gamut from Dion Waiters to where we are right now. And on top of that, became the director of basketball operations at the University at Buffalo and won a conference tournament championship and got to go into the NCAA tournament and obviously are led by a tremendous coach and just so we over at Buffalo. So with that type of intro, Katie is here to talk with us on the Raptors and the Warriors, game six at the Oracle, and also everything that shook out in game five. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are we doing? I'm doing good. You know, I'm happy I was on vacation. I'm happy I got to do my show still. I'm happy I got to have some fun. And I'm super pissed about the end of that game. So, I mean, it's it just... I, it, it, whether whether you're a Raptor fan or not, that final 17 seconds, 17.9 seconds of the game, there was no good shots, no good looks, not working the ball around that well. It looked like there was no play drawn up. There was total confusion it was probably the the one of the besides turning the ball over it was single-handedly probably one of the worst possessions you can have as a basketball team so let's go into that where i mean you've been around basketball forever in a day and you played bring me into the raptors last possession and what you took away from it i just don't think they expected that Kawhi was going to get double teamed so the minute he got double teamed i think the whole play kind of broke down because in reality as soon as he got double teamed, obviously that means somebody's open. So he swung it to Van. But the problem was Lowry, Lowry and uh, Gasol, like Gasol was trying to get Lowry open, so their spacing was off. So at the end of the day, on the swing, if Gasol wasn't so far out, if he was even down, if their spacing was better, normally Kyle Lowry should be open on that play. But their spacing was off because he was trying to get him open off like a down screen. So at, at that rate, it all broke down at that point because I think the spacing was a little off. But if they had spaced it out better because, of, you know, they didn't expect to get double teams, it was easy to guard them on the play because you could guard two in the corner with Lowry because of the way Gasol was kind of set the down screen. So I think it just, I think it broke down so quick because, uh, you know, Kawhi didn't expect to get double teamed. And 
I thought the person I would have sworn you to would be Danny Green because he's the one that's hit big shots before. So it's just, it's tough in the moment, you know. Like we can sit here and look at it now because it happened, but in the moment, you know, it, you know, people are gonna be so critical. But at the end of the day, you know, he he drew up a play that you know get Kyle, Kyle Lowry open in the corner, and Kawhi was supposed to just make a move like he always does. But the one part they didn't think was gonna happen was the double team, which I think is insane because Kawhi. Leonard is, you know, is the best player on the Raptors and arguably to some people the best player in the country, one of the best players in the world. So I would think that he would get double teamed. Now, there is, you know, let's stick with Kyle Lowry here because there's something else I want to get. There's a lot of different topics I want to get to with this with Katie this morning. But Katie, for you, you know, you and I have spoken about Kyle Lowry and you texted me during the game and you said, Kyle, you said Lowry needs to stop. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm at a point where I agree with Leo Routens that, you know, he did kind of enlighten me and the show and hopefully people listening that Kyle has been a part of the most success that the Raptors have ever had. So you have to attribute some of that to him being on the team. But at the same time, it's how much of that is him. You know, I could be on a team and never play and the team could be really successful. I could be Tom Brady's backup and the team's winning Super Bowls, but, you know, what am I doing? I mean, maybe I'm a really good scout guy. I don't know. But Lowry is so wildly inconsistent, and he doesn't hit the big-time shots. He's the last person on the team that I would want. He's one of the last people I'd want to shoot that shot. And he's probably the last of the starters that I'd want to shoot that shot. So, you know, just what was what was your thought? I mean, behind the hole, you know, when you said Lowry needs to stop, what are you seeing from him? Because he has his moments but if, for the love of God, I mean, if he could score two points with 49 seconds left, if he could make a few free throws, if he could steal a ball, if he could get some assists, I mean, just, I'm not asking for the world. I'm asking for a little bit of this and a little, I'm asking for a $31 million player because that's what he is. So what are you taking away from him? Because hitting the back of the backboard is just not, it's not acceptable to me. Yeah, I mean, we saw the difference in the last minute of the game from elite to not elite. You know, like Clay, Clay, Curry, they're gonna hit their shots. They're, like they're they're made for those moments. They're the ones that are gonna look at those moments and make those shots. Kyle Lowry, at the end of the day, like I don't think I don't think of him as elite. I think of him as a great player. I even think of him kind of as a role player sometimes. Like you know, I'm gonna set the offense up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be that like dog on defense. You know, I'm gonna take that charge. And I think he's had some great moments that are not going to be in the stat book for the series. And I still think he can redeem himself with two more games. But at the end of the day. Last minute of the game, your team's trying to win the first championship ever. You can't disappear. You just can't. You know, like you have Kawhi and everything. Kawhi stepped up, but all you got to do is hit one shot. And I think he just, I don't know if he has that, like, he doesn't have that clutch gene. Like, he's just proven it. He's proven it in the series before when you get swept. Like, you have gotten swept, you know, and you had the best team in, in basketball, you know, the best record. So, it's to me, he's just not clutch. And some people just aren't clutch. And, you know, hopefully he'll prove me wrong in the next couple of days because I don't know. I just think like they should have never lost that game. That game was won. You can't you can't lose that game. And I think Kyle Lowry, you know, you're the 31 million man who could have prevented it. So yeah, and that's the thing is you know we wouldn't you know if this is it's just it's what he's I mean he's getting paid and I said it I said it years ago he's making Steph Curry money. You know he has a contract. That is along the lines of Steph Curry. And I'm going to, just to prove my point here, 
I'm going to look up Steph Curry's thing while we're discussing here on the show because I want to give you the exact numbers of his deal. But Kyle Lowry this season is making $31 million. And Steph is making 37. Last year, Steph made 34. Lowry's going to be close to that next season. So, I mean, we're talking about this 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 amount of money. This is this is an inordinate amount of money. This is a lot of dough that's going to Kyle Lowry. They're paying him as one of the top five elite point guards in the country. Yet a couple games ago, he had two assists in the entire game. And th- this is not a witch hunt for Kyle Lowry. And this is not a personal attack on Kyle Lowry. I want to be clear about this. This is a... Kyle is somebody who almost got traded a few years ago by the Raptors to the Knicks. They, and I didn't want it to happen. I was like, if they do this, it's going to be a mistake. And it didn't. They kept him, and I agreed with that deal to keep him. But DeRozan was always – when there's Lowry and DeRozan, you leaned on DeRozan. When there's Lowry and Leonard, you lean on Leonard. There's not a lot of times where I feel like this team can truly lean on Lowry – but if he can show this in game six, I mean, it's been a long time coming. I want there to be a Lowry resurgence. I want him to score 31 or 35 points in the Oracle and win this championship and have a huge part of it. You know, the emotional side of it, him being the only player that's been on the team through all of this pain and everybody else coming in over the last couple seasons, if not this season, you know, he's the guy that's been through the trenches more than anybody else on the Raptors. But I want to see his, I want to see that moment. I want to see that I've been here, I've bled here, and now I've won here. And there just needs to be more. And I don't think anybody can argue with me that we want to see a little bit more from Kyle Lowry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and at the end of the day, like, I understand, like, you're you're doing great things in the game. Like, he's, he's a leader. He, he's, you know, he's in their face. He's taking charges. You know, he, it's clear that he's a leader of the team. But I just think at the end of the day, just score a little bit too, <laughs> you know. Don't be inconsistent. You know, like Curry, not inconsistent. Clay Thompson, not inconsistent. Durant comes in, he has eleven points in twelve minutes. He's not inconsistent. Right. So it, it's just like to me, just be a little bit more consistent. I, I just want consistency with that much money. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that you should. Speaking here with Katie Kalinsky here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Listen, I don't make $31 million, Katie, and all the companies that I work with want me to be consistent. So I think, you know, consistency is key with any job and any walk of life. Let's talk about consistency with the officiating, though. The NBA has come out and admitted fault in a missed call in Game 5 of the Finals. According to the NBA, Marcus Gasol should have been given two free throws with 49 seconds left in the game in which Toronto lost by 1.106-105 at home. Gasol was fouled by the Warriors' DeMarcus Cousins on a drive. He missed the shot and tumbled to the floor, and there was no foul. Now, the NBA said Cousins moved into Gasol, quote, initiating contact that affects his driving shot attempt, end quote. So I find this to be interesting because it's great to see it, and at the same time, it doesn't change anything. You can't go back in time. We don't have a DeLorean. There's no Doc Brown and Marty McFly. So, I'm, you know, it's nice to hear the NBA say, oops, we made a mistake, but the Raptors can't do anything about it. What do you think about this? Because you're the director of basketball ops with the University of Buffalo. I mean, there's calls that go missed all the time. When an officiating crew and a league 
come out and say, hey, we missed a foul that would have put the Raptors on the line that would have gave them potentially another shot or two. And by the way, they lost by one, so they could have actually won the game because of our error. They say this after the game. It's almost, in my opinion, don't say it because now fans are looking at this like, okay, so we could have been having a a parade today instead of getting ready for game six. What are your thoughts on the NBA admitting that they missed a foul on, on Boogie Cousins? Well, it's hard to look at stuff like that because there's a million and one missed calls in the game. It just happened to be 49 seconds to go. I did, I did think that. I do think, though, like the officiating's been kind of funny in the series alone. It's kind of like, uh, like I felt like the first couple of games, this uh, officiating was kind of Toronto, you know, favored. And then I thought that game was a little Golden State. You know, it's like it's hard to tell. You know, they're going to be making the calls they think is right during the game. And, you know, we could also come at Toronto's defense. They just got a hand up on Clay Thompson. Maybe he doesn't make two threes or whatever it is. And, you know, it's hard to put it at that. You know, if Kawhi gets double teamed, maybe he makes the right pass out of it. You know, so it's like if you're going to look at that, I mean, it's tough to call it. I, I still think, though, Toronto had the, you know, the ball in their court. You know, they're up six and, you know, they have all the momentum and they call a timeout and he thinks it's the right, you know. Golden State's tired because um, I think the biggest thing with Durant coming back is if you notice the rotations was a lot easier for Golden State because they had at all times you're going to notice Clay or Curry is going to be on the floor with the way they have the sub right now. There's no, there's never a time in the game one of the two is not in the game. Yeah. With Durant coming back, they could they could sit them a little bit longer. So I think towards you know he got hurt in the first quarter or whatever it was. And now Curry and Clay, they're playing the whole game again. They're tired, you know? So you already know they're tired. You know, Curry's put the team on his back the whole series, and now we're going to call a timeout so Golden State can rest? You know, like, that just doesn't make sense either. And that, No, and that's the thing is I just – I don't understand. So And, you know, one of the time, and there was a timeout that was called, and that was also something that was talked about after the game – is that Nick Nurse, you know, as this team was making a push and gaining momentum and putting themselves in a position to win the game, they called the timeout. And he said, well, you know, we had a timeout to give. You know, we had a few of them. So, you know, it's a team a team that essentially stopped their own momentum in a way. And, you know, timeouts and time management are always things that you have to be very, very, very careful with and, and handle with kid gloves. What do you think about that? You know, the fact that that was a topic of conversation – after the game was, you know, the, the notion of, of the timeout and when the Raptors took the timeout and if it was the right thing to do. Yeah, but he was talking about, well, I didn't want to lose the timeout, but who cares about the timeout? Like, what about the game in front of you? Like, who cares? Like, you're going to lose the timeout. Like, who cares? You already, I don't know how many he had left, two or whatever it was. You, so you lose the timeout because you didn't call it yet. You didn't call it yet because you didn't have to call it. Right. You know, so it's like, at the end of the day, they're more tired than you're tired because literally Curry is playing the whole game. Like, he had to play the whole game and score over 40 points a game before that. Like, just, you know, I don't know. I'm just a field person. And by watching the game, you know, you have all the momentum. You know, they're more tired than you're tired. Let them call the timeout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing that I don't understand is as you're going, as you're, going, as you're moving forward, as you're progressing, as your team is getting better, at the most opportune time. That's not when you take a break. You know, you don't give the other team a break. You know, that, that's like when a team in the NFL is trying to, or in any sport, when a team is trying to come back 
And, you know, but you see it in the NFL a lot. There's a team trying to make a comeback and they have no more timeouts left. And then the other team takes a timeout. Why are you giving them more time? You want time to run off the clock. You want them to be in a frenzy. You want them to be anxious. You want them to be stressed out of their minds because you want them to make a mistake. So, I mean, time management, you know, what are you doing with the clock? When are you taking your timeouts? Why are you taking your timeouts? Who's stepping up? Who's not stepping up? You know, the play at the end of the game where they didn't draw up any play whatsoever. You know what? I think this is what I think is hilarious. As you talk about, you know, Nick Nurse wanting to take his time out because he didn't want to lose it. How about drawing up a play on that? So, you know, you take a time out that feels seemingly meaningless and you question that, but then you, you don't set up a play to be ready for the last possession of the game. So, you know, what did you do in that timeout that you didn't do when you could have set your team up and actually ran something? I mean, for goodness sakes, a pick and roll, anything. You know, have, just have the guys move around and do what they need to do. If you want the ball to get to Kawhi and he's getting double teamed, then set some picks, set some screens, get some people to roll off. Have Marcus Saul go in front of him, set a screen, and then roll out and then go to the basket. And if Kawhi can't get down the lane, he dumps it off to Marcus Saul, who goes in for a layup. I mean, this is textbook fundamental basketball that we didn't see. And I think whether you're a fan of the Raptors or not, a fan of the NBA or not, when real recognizes real. And and I think that when you love basketball, Katie, you just watch that last possession and you can't help but get frustrated because it looked like they were just completely and utterly confused and there was no plan. And to waste time on the basketball court, especially when you're down by one and you can win a championship, you don't want to give games away. And a team that's won multiple titles doesn't need any help. So... I mean, it's to me, it's as a basketball fan, it's frustrating to break down the film on that last play and to see everything that didn't happen when you know that fundamentally this team should be smart enough, any team in the NBA should be smart enough and comprised of good enough players from around the world to be able to do something down by a point. Yeah, I think, too, though, like, it's just so, it's so easy to be critical. You know, I think he's coached his butt off in this series, and I think he's coached his butt off in the playoffs. And, you know, I think I think he's a phenomenal coach. And I know I know people say, well, he's a young coach, but, you know, he has experience. He's not a young coach. He's been coaching a long time. And I, I think it's just one of those things where you kind of just learn as you go. So I think, you know, for him, you know, he, he's going to learn from this moment. I don't think you'll ever see that again. You know, and it's easy, too. Like, if they win the game, we're not going to sit here and be like, well, why did he call that timeout, you know? If they somehow Kyle Lowry makes that shot, we're not going to be talking about, well, why did he draw up a play like that? It's so easy to do when stuff doesn't work out the way, you know, people want it to work out. So, you know, I'm not going to be that critical of him because I think he's a phenomenal coach. And I think, you know, like, anyone in his shoes, like, you're just going to learn from it, you know? So even, like, Steve Kerr, like, you know, Steve Kerr just happened to set the double team at the end of the game. Like, I think that's a great call. You know, so I think in the thing about basketball is a game of chess, you know. Um, you know, Steve Kerr made his move, you know, and Nick Nurse made his move. But, you know, Kerr made the better move. So that, that's just how basketball is. No, and, and, and I agree with you on that. You know, like you said, if, if it had worked out, if the timeout had worked, if, you know, if they got a steal after the timeout or something like that, or just ultimately they won the game, we wouldn't be talking about this. And I don't want to take anything away from Nick Nurse. You know, I think he's been a tremendous coach. You know, he's definitely stepped up more than more than you and I had anticipated when the move that was made. So, I mean, I got nothing but the utmost respect for what he has done. 
It's just to me, you know, to not run a play or even if he wanted to play and the team just didn't do it. You know, it, it just comes down to the fact of you don't want to waste a possession. And this was a possession that would have silenced the series. I mean, this would have ended everything. And, you know, they're still in the lead. They're still in the driver's seat. You know, like I like I told people, uh, you know, the last few days, I said, listen, they have three chances to win one game. But it doesn't mean you want to take all three chances. You don't want to push your luck. But, I mean, this Raptors team has been strong. They've been vibrant. They've worked their tails off to get to where they are right now. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people ever anticipated that they were going to be here. So they have a lot to fight for and a lot to be proud of. And, you know, with that being said, as they fight toward game six, what are what is your take on this? I mean, the Raptors have won twice in Oracle, which is not an easy thing to do. They won in the regular season in Oracle by 20 without Kawhi Leonard, mind you. And... Here they are going back to Oracle again. What is your take on on this this opportunity in Game Six? I mean, did Toronto show you enough in Game Five, even though they didn't win it, that they can still take this series? How are you looking at it right now? Well, I thought in Game Five they were the better team again. You know, every game in the series, I thought they were the better team without Durant on the floor. When Durant was on the floor, I didn't think they were the better team. Um, you know, healthy Durant's a totally different team for Golden State. Um, but I think that. Without Durant playing, and obviously he's a torn Achilles or whatever, they're going to diagnose him as, I, I think you got to win the game. You know, I think you're the better team. You know, the good thing about Kawhi is he's not going to let the team get down about that loss. He's not going to not let them cry about it. You know, he's going to get them ready for the next game. I, I think Kyle Lowry has that type of leadership, too, where they'll be ready. Um, and I, I think I think it's a must. Obviously, it's a must win because you want to win a championship. But, you know, you don't want to go to a game seven with them. <laughs> No, you don't want to go to a Game 7 with Golden State by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Katie Kalinske here with us, University of Buffalo, and before that, Syracuse on the basketball side for men's and women's basketball. Uh, Katie, before I let you go here, I want to get into the Kevin Durant injury. I mean, Kevin Durant coming back, I thought a lot of this was smoke and mirrors. You know, the whole notion of, oh, he's going to come back. Oh, he traveled to Toronto. Oh, he got there a couple days early. Oh, but he didn't play in game one or game two. Oh, he'll play in game three. Oh, you know what? He's not going to play in game three. Oh, he's definitely going to play in game four. Oh, he didn't play in game four. Oh, but he's going to travel to Toronto. Maybe he's going to play in game five. What did you – there's a lot of Kevin Durant pieces I want to get to, but the first one is what was your takeaway from kind of this what felt like a smoke and mirrors, you know, is he going to play, is he not going to play – this this back and forth, you know, what did you take away from it as a fan and as somebody, you know, connected to the basketball world? Is it strategy? Is it just to keep the Raptors on their toes? You know, what did you think about how it was handled where we never really knew if Kevin Durant was going to play or not? I I believe that if the series didn't get where it got, like, let, let's say Golden State was up right there, 3-1. I don't think Kevin Durant plays in that game. I think, I think it was desperate mode. You know, they said he practiced for the first time. I mean, you're going to practice one day on an injury like that and then go play? I mean, that that's tough. And every time, like, it was funny when I was watching the game with him in, I'm like, why is Durant doing so much with the ball? I'm like, but it's in your nature to be a killer. So I'm like, why doesn't he just, like, shoot threes and spot up? Like, he's going full force, like, at these guys. I'm like... I don't know if I would do that the next day, but with, you know, someone like you get in the heat of the game and stuff, you're not going to slow down. So I-, I was a little like, wow, I'm surprised he's really like has the ball in his hand. Even when he brought the ball up on that possession, I was like, why is he bringing the ball up? Like he's really doing the most off of like an injury like that. So I was a little surprised. Like 
that he was trying to do as much as he was. But, you know, when you're a killer, you're going to play to your fullest potential. So, you know, I just, I knew, for, I, I don't know, I was worried the whole time. I was like, I don't know why he's playing right now. Um, I don't know if it was a calf or Achilles before that, but I had that calf injury, like I said before. Like, that that's no joke. Like, I would, you cannot play full basketball like that off a calf injury. Even if it's like a, 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 tear, in, a tear in your calf, like, that recovery for me was crazy. So, I don't know. I just. You know, but that's what the the greats do. They play, but you know, you got to be smart too. Was it really worth the championship to tear your Achilles? Like, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have played. No, and, and that's the thing is, you know, it, because he's in a contract year, because he can go wherever he wants to go, because you know his recruitment is open essentially again. You know, you, you wonder the why. And I said there's two ends of the spectrum. You know, there's the fact that he's a good teammate. You want to believe he loves his teammates. You know, that's what we take away from, you know, the a lot of the response and, and whatnot is, you know, is that he loves these guys. So why did he play? Because he wanted to win, because he cares about them. And, you know, on the other side of it, it's like, okay, but, you know, you're in a contract year. You want to make your money. You, you don't want to be damaged goods when you're trying to, you know, go out there and find a new job. So, you know, what, what is your takeaway from it to, to kind of look at the shoes of of Kevin Durant, you know, being in a position of they need you, but you need to stay healthy. And we don't know if you're even going to be in Golden State next season. So, I mean, you know, when you look at all the angles of it, what do you see when it comes to Kevin Durant? Because I think it's more of like a prism, you know, where there's a lot. It's not just one thing you see. You see a lot of different pieces to this because like I said you know he's trying to be a good teammate and he's trying to care and at the same time you got to kind of look out for yourself and then it's well what's a priority is a priority to win now is a priority for you to get on a new team and make some good money so I mean there's a lot of different things that went into this and you know there's a lot of opinions about it so what's your take on it yeah I mean you know this is going to change what happened but you know, it's just tough because I think Kevin Durant cares so much about what people think of him and, the, like, what fans are saying. And, you know, he, he has he has a big heart, you know. Like, the only reason he cares like, that people are talking because of his heart that he has. You know, he cares what people think. And people see that as a negative for him. Like, oh, why is Durant, you know, coming at fans? But it's because he cares. He puts his whole life into this game. You know, he's the top two, three, four player in the country. And, or the whole planet. So, for him, you know, like, I have a lot of respect for KD. You know, like, I think you know, men are supposed to be tough and not care, but everyone cares. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of people are insecure. And, you know, for, for people to come at him, it's like you're probably more insecure than he is, but people just like to talk. So, you know, I think he made a decision he wanted to play because he's got a big heart. He wants to win. And maybe a part of him thought he was going to be the savior. You know, what kind of story would that be? Down 3-1, Kevin Durant comes back, they win the championship. Now you're the saving grace. So, yeah, you know, he, he probably thought just three games, you know, I can make it work, but... I wouldn't have played. I don't care. I'm trying to make money. You know, my, my longevity is a lot more important than winning a championship. So you could win three, four more championships, you know, with his type of talent, you know. So I think it's crazy he played, but. Well, no, and that's and that's the hard part, and that's the catch-22 of it all is, you know, you're trying to be a good teammate, and you want, you know, you want to win with these guys. But the, the thing is, what's the future hold? Now, after the game – the Warriors general manager, Bob Myers, was, and I watched this in, in real time. I mean, this this man was extremely emotional. Uh, very, you know, you would have thought somebody died over here. I mean, just very shaken up, very sad. And, you know, and, and, and just, just 
seemingly looking like he just got scolded by somebody. You know, like somebody was going to take his job away or something like that. He just did not. He, I, I, I've never, I have never seen a general manager, you know, be that broken up over a player. And and if he is that broken up over a player, not publicly. Now, I do want to address the fact that when people have emotion, especially men, like you said, we're supposed to be tough. I, you know, listen. I cry when I want to cry, laugh when I want to laugh. I do what I want to do. You flex your muscle when you got to flex your muscle. But I believe that the strongest people out there are the people that can show their emotion because the people that are just like a piece of sandpaper are not really given anything into the world. They're not making a mark. They're just kind of there. So I want to preface this by saying that if anybody's making fun of or making gifs or memes or whatever from you know from what the Warriors GM Bob Myers did, I think that's deplorable and I think it's disgusting because he was feeling raw emotion. At the same time, I was wondering, is this is is this emotion to show Kevin Durant that you know, like, are you really actually sad? But on top of that, is this a chess move? to show Kevin that you're so much more and we love you and nobody's going to love you like we do because we want you to stay here is, you know, so are you actually sad about the injury? Are you trying to jockey to keep him with the team? You know, kind of what is the, what is the purpose of this, you know, uh, of this emotion? Because there was a lot of emotion and you want to believe it's real, but I'm thinking in my head, is this to keep Kevin here? Is this because he feels like this is on him and that the fans are mad and that he thinks he's going to lose his job? Does he just really genuinely care? What did you take away from, from Bob Meyer's reaction, which was very unique? Yeah, I think, you know, I think everything Golden State does is like a whole entire franchise is authentic. You know, like they, they just have that family atmosphere. It starts with Steve Kerr and the players and Curry and Clay Thompson and Durant. They're all just good people, you know, Draymond. And I, I think it just shows throughout the organization, you know, there's no there's no surprise why they win so many championships. It doesn't just happen with players. You know, it happens with good people around you, good people in the organization, good ownership. Yeah. You know, and that's what they have, you know, um, up to down, you know. So I think, you know, I think it was authentic, you know, like that, that's just the compassion you show, you know, like when you really see, like know these guys and you know, they put the work into it, you know, like I, I cried when Bree, Bree Stewart, like tore her Achilles, like that, that messed me up for like a week, like, you know, just to know like who she is as a person and stuff. So, you know, I can see why he'd be upset about it. Um, and I, I don't think like, if you're going to use a, someone getting hurt to use that as your advantage, then. You know, that's not cool. So I, I don't think he would be like that because just the who they are, you could just tell, you know, they all do like Golden State just does stuff the right way. Well, and, and, and to have this, you know, this this reaction, I mean, Bob took it personally and he said, this is on me. And they didn't ask a lot of questions in the media. But, you know, one of the questions that somebody asked him why. And he, you know, and he said, because I'm the general manager, you know, I oversee this team. So the player operations and whatnot is on me. What do you think about this? Like him saying, hey, Kevin going back out there and unfortunately getting injured, I'm going to take responsibility for that. Yeah, that, but that just shows like who they all are. You know, I'm sure Curve takes responsibility. I'm sure, you know, the trainers take responsibility. I'm sure a lot of people are going to take that responsibility because, you know, that's what you do in that business. You take ownership, you know, and I think that's good. To, you know, finally someone took some type of ownership. You know, a lot of people don't do that and they just – they don't say anything, you know, they might be feeling it, but, you know, to be able to go out there and really put yourself out there like that, you know, says a lot. And, you know, I, I respect him saying it. 
No, absolutely. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske. Katie, to, to wrap up this, you know, and kind of kind of look at everything moving forward here, we don't have Kevin Durant on this team, you know, on the floor. We had him for a hot moment. Is this the end? Do you do you feel like this is a sad end to to a short era of, of Kevin Durant and Golden State? Um, it's hard to say because he, he's going to be out a whole year, so he, he's not going to be back next season. So even if he does um, sign one year with them or, you know, end his contract with them, you know, he's still going to be able to have a chance to have free agency. You know, I think anyone would still take a Kevin Durant, even with a after a torn Achilles, but you know, it might be his best option just to rehab in Golden State and be with them another season, you know, even though he's not going to play. Um, I think they'd honor his contract still. And, you know, it's going to be interesting now because I just changed the dynamic of everything because now that's one last superstar people are going to be pursuing. So it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But if I'm him, I'm just going to stay there another year and just finish out the contract. And Or does he have another year left? He could buy out – he could, like, he could leave his contract, I, I think. Yeah, if we if we look at Kevin Durant, I believe that he has his player option coming up right now, and to take to take a uh, to take a look here. So yeah, so yeah, so if we look at this right now and and what the impact can be, so he can exercise his thirty one million dollar thirty one and a half million dollar player option in return for the Warriors two thousand nineteen twenty season. So that would be that would be rehabbing. So he can exercise it, but it is his option. It is not the team's option. It's his player option to do that. So I mean, I guess that that would show true dedication if he said, "Hey, I'm going to come back to the team and rehab all year, and you're going to pay me over thirty million dollars, but I'm not going to play at all." You know, I mean, I think that that would be an interesting place here and see Bob Myers, you know, response to this. So, you know, this Achilles injury and then turn around and saying, you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to play for you, and you're going to have to pay me a, a lot of money. So for him, I think it's a no-brainer. Stay with the team that you're with. Stay with the family that loves you and rehab. But for the Warriors, that's 30-plus million that's not going to be on the floor for the entire season. Yep, and then still we don't know what Clay's going to do. Um, you know, some of those guys are getting older. Iguodala's getting older. Livingston's getting older. So it's going to be interesting to see the, you know, what way their franchise goes after this. You know, that's a big blow. You know, DeMarcus Cousins, um, he only signed a one-year contract. So, you know, he has to make a decision where he's going to go, and he should probably he's probably going to get paid some money. So I could see him leaving. You know, so it's a lot of it's a lot of factors with that team now. You know, Looney's uh, banged up. We'll see how he recovers from it. You know, he's, they got some young guys in there, McKinney, uh, Quinn Cook. So it's going to be this offseason is going to be a memorable one, I think. So it's game six. We're going to the Oracle one last time. Raptors, Warriors, Raptors leading the series three to two. No Kevin Durant once again. The Raptors are in a position. He made 11 point, what is it, 11 points in 12 minutes, something ridiculous like that. So no Kevin Durant. This team only lost by one in a comeback where Kevin Durant was playing and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were shooting lights out at the end of the game. What are your thoughts on game six as we move forward? No, no, not to win that game if you're Toronto. You know, you go in there, Kyle has to step up, Kawhi has to step up. You know, you can't, you know, their guys are going to step up. You know, Clay's going to step up. You know, Curry's going to step up. You know, Draymond's going to do what Draymond does. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to, you're $31 million, man. Lowry, you got to step up. Kawhi, you got to step up. 
you know. And I think Siakam, he's got to be able to knock down that three point shot better because he's been struggling shooting outside. So he needs to he needs to lock in on that. Yeah, and he needs to make the jump shot in general. Takes a bunch of and Serge Ibaka, for goodness sakes, takes that that mid range jumper and it goes in one out of like ten times. You just gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Listen, Van Vliet had to step it up because he was quiet, and you know I think it might have had to do with the psyche because he had a child on the way. That child's born. He's been playing better. Lowry, we're waiting for. I mean, I'm waiting for that Lowry moment. You know, I'm waiting for that where it finally all culminates, like where, you know, what's happening here that's holding this guy back to because he's not a bad player. Obviously, he's not a bad player. But, you know, if he steps up and Van Vliet and Siakam and all this stuff, this Raptors team has proven that they are championship worthy. Now they just have to do it. It's one thing to be worthy of it. It's another thing to be hoisting it. The Warriors can tell you all about that. With that being said, Katie Kalinske, University of Buffalo Director of Basketball Ops for Women's Basketball, and seven years before that at Syracuse. Katie, as always, I appreciate and respect you, and I thank you so much for being the biggest Raptors fan in America. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always a pleasure to be on your show. All right, I'll talk with you soon. All right.